All right, here we are. Welcome to the Bay Side, the Riverside Report this week. We have other we have other colors too. If you want to go with the green, oh, I like the green. What about blue? Blue. Blue's meh. Blue's meh. I like the green. You want the green? Yeah, the green's good. All right, green it is. A very special edition of the Bay Side Report, the Riverside Report. What's up, buddy? For the week, what's up, Santino Sacone, Scooch? I'm here. I'm in Western PA for another week or so. Yeah. Golfing our dick off. Yeah, we played uh, a par three two days ago because it was packed and we couldn't get on a regular course. Played nine yesterday. That was a good time. And then uh, we got 18 this weekend. I'm having flashbacks of prank calling in dominoes basement. from all over the world. Yeah, we would, or we would call Walmart and tell them we shit in a <laughs> random aisle. And then like they would go and try to find it and clean it up. <laughs> but joke's on them. We called like Topeka, Kansas in the middle of the Midwest where we know where we're close to. <laughs> Or we'd, we'd call like Spokane, Washington and, you know, ask for their pharmacy department and start just spewing stuff about condoms. I remember calling a Little Caesars and, you know, we'd say it pretty, we were pretty good actors at that point. Like, sir, there's a tampon in my pizza. <laughs> or we would ask them if they could put like chicken bones on our, on our pizza. They would tell us no every time. Oh, we got into some shit here. Yeah. But we have a special episode. I talked about this on past episodes, but we're doing a reading of my senior project, Avionics. Now, just a, a little synopsis of the book and the time of what was going on in our lives. This was written in 2015 and started in November for the senior project. Now, what'd you do for your senior project, Santino? Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, we had a senior project in high school where you had to do something that kind of taught you like stuff about like community service or like leadership or like organizational skills and stuff like that. Garth decided to do something a little bit more creative where he wrote um, an essay that he already name dropped, but avionics, a memoir. <laughs> um, for me, I took the easy route out and um, I like led the student section of our uh, high school and I was just like the pep rally guy and they they said that was acceptable as uh, organ- organizational and leadership skills. So I did took like it five ran. games. Yeah, no, I did. We did all the games, but yeah, I took the easy way out and it was fun. And um, uh, looking back on, it, I wish I wrote a fucking uh, thirty-seven page essay. <laughs> so the book's a mix of Flight with Denzel. That these were my inspirations at the time. It was Flight with Denzel Washington, and then it was The Wolf of Wall Street with Jordan Belfort. And not to mention, at this point, you were fully in a pilot program in a pilot program and like you were fully set on becoming a pilot yes yes that's that's that you you were you were already doing solo flies at this point weren't you not at this point at this point i was doing the ground school when you leave school yeah early but half the time i would go home i I would just skip it or i was working at scooches drinking beer and writing the book so I wasn't a model pilot. I was I was so influenced by Denzel Washington that I decided to act like him. So thank God I'm not a pilot. And we have this amazing book. So yeah. this is written in 2015, Senior Project. This was turned in. So at the end, you'll be wondering how the fuck I got away with this. I don't know. But this was turned into a high school. It was graded and I got an 87% on it. Well, one thing I'll say that's actually really cool about our high school is those who did write like essays or stories or stuff like that, they kind of allowed the students to have free range with what they wanted to write. Because you weren't the only one who wrote an essay no, or a story not. in general. Um, so with that being said, um, they, they they didn't put really any limits, at least to my knowledge or remembrance, 
on those who wanted to write a creative story. If you wanted to talk about whatever you wanted to, you could, and you weren't going to get in trouble for it. And that was looking back. That was something like you can kind of appreciate from like the, you know, faculty and admin. Oh yeah. We're about to appreciate it. Well, I didn't read a single page of it in my, in my presentation. I just talked about how I was in pilot program and that was it. I got the 87. So it worked out. So here we go, folks, avionics, a memoir, not really a memoir by Garrett Belich. Take it away, sir. This is in first person, by the way, as well. Avionics, a memoir by Garrett Belich. This fictional memoir is dedicated to my grandfather. Thank you for your service in the world of aviation and touching the hearts of many people. Shout out to Grandpa. Prologue. Just a day in the office. July 24th, 2009. Quote. Goran, I need you to have the Gulf Stream ready in an hour. I'm coming down from the Hamptons right now. As I found myself laying on my oversized couch with what with what probably had been my seventh or eighth Budweiser, I claimly <laughs> replied to my boss, quote, Of course, Gary, I'll head over to JFK right now. This is why you're my number one, Mr. Townsend, my wealthy Wall Street boss exclaimed I'm sorry, exclaimed, See you in a bit. And with that, the cell phone call was over. Being the pilot for one of the wealthiest men in New York City, Gary Cohen, was something I could have never predicted. Gary is the president and COO of the highly acclaimed Goldman Sachs, a top investment firm in the heart of Wall Street. As I arose from my favorite couch in the large mansion of mine, and of course, my gorgeous wife, Bella, the fierce but loving Long Island (laughs) lawyer, I found myself holding a clear vial of pristine white cocaine. I clear, I quickly unscrewed the cap and arranged three quick lines with my sharp Amex card. <laughs> this should do the trick, I sputtered out loudly. It took just 20 seconds from feeling like the average drunk college student on a Saturday night to Gorn Townsend, the highly experienced corporate pilot for one of the most powerful men in the world. Of money. Boom. I myself was a money hungry psycho. <laughs> you also spelt psycho wrong. <laughs> I, I myself was a money hungry psycho just as much as he was, though. I just didn't have the edge this man did. And oh, let me tell you, he was as sharp as a blade. Boom. <sighs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> we could do one chapter tonight if it's okay. too much. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. <clears throat> This is still the prologue? Yeah, that's, this is still the prologue. As I raged through my house, uh, feeling like Jesus on the day he <laughs> rose from the dead, <laughs> I quickly grabbed my absolute worst work necessities, the few items that would either make my job impossible or drive me through a damn wall. A gleaming $10,000 Rolex, which read the time of 12.20 p.m., and I had 40 minutes. My luggage assembled, which included my personal Louis Vuitton bag from all the items necessary for days away from home, and my briefcase for work, which held flight information and various maps. Two vials, each holding three grams of Coke, supplied from my boss, of course. Some basic toiletries and four outfits for what was expected to be a two-night trip away from home. Slight trip. Six grams of Coke for a two-night trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Six grams of Coke and four outfits in a tube of Listerine. You never Or know. a bottle of Listerine. As I quickly dressed in my sharp uniform, 
including a press white dress shirt, black tie, and jet black dress pants, I glanced into the mirror and took a good look at myself. I was a fairly attractive man, only possessing the age of 27. How, how have I come this far in life as such a young man, I thought. I was something I was never really sure of, but my life had been something out of a movie, it seemed. I had to be the only pilot in the world that could snort a few lines before a flight. I quickly exited the master bedroom and turned to the corner to walk down the grand staircase. But Before I departed for the airport, there was just one thing I had to do. Quickly slipped into my wife's immaculate office and I let her. A, I left her a short but meaningful note letting her know what was going on. Bella. Gary needs me to fly him out to L.A. for two days for a short business meeting. Have a great next two days at work. I love you, my beautiful wife. I'll see you before you know it. Your loving husband, Gorn. See, well, he has issues. He still loves his wife. And with that, I slipped into my spacious garage and hopped into my Mercedes S-Class. Oh, yeah. Sorry, my dashing my Mercedes S-Class. <laughs> so we're off to a hot start. Is this chapter one? We are now officially at chapter one. All right. Chapter one, an unlikely future. In here's, route, the, here's the backstory. Go ahead. En route to the airport. Being a kid from a rough blue-collar town of Edgework, Illinois, about 20 minutes outside of Chicago, life had been very grim. No matter what you wanted to do with your life, you would always find yourself about 99.9. You would always find that 99.9% of your fellow Edgeworkians would bash your hopeful goals. As always, the usual job hope for somebody was to be a welder or a car salesman. But me, I wanted to be something special. Something more than just an average Joe. So I decided the perfect profession tailored just for me. I was made for Wall Street at heart, but my family already had deep airline ties with United Airlines. My grandfather had been my grandfather being the director of air traffic control along with my dad having a 40-year career with the same airlines as a pilot. And let me tell you, he was one hell of a navigator. <laughs> my mother was brash but loving Italian-Irish crossbreed, a deadly combination that would make you scared for your life when she's hunting you down as a kid. Damn. Opposed to my laid-back dad, who was barely, who barely gave a care about something other than politics. <laughs> Alongside my all-star parents, Frankie and Sylvia, my big sister, Sarah, was always by my side. Only two years older than me, the little loudmouth had been my partner in crime growing up. After spending her college years working her tail off, she landed her dream job as an anchor for Chicago's CBS affiliate, proving a hell of an accomplishment. Successful family. Successful family. While driving on the Long Island Expressway from my home in Old Westbury to JFK, I sat back in my plush leather seats in my sleek Mercedes enjoying the sun embracing the New York coastline in the distance. <laughs> Eight beers and Coke lines deep. <laughs> Pulling into the pristine hangar, all owned by Goldman Sachs at the very end of the runway at JFK, you could already tell this place was made for wealth and only wealth. It was one o'clock on the dot as I took long strides across the tarmac towards the gorgeous Gulfstream G550 owned by none other than Mr. Cohn himself. Me and my amateur first officer, 
Dennis Matterson, a dorky little plane freak from who knows where Pennsylvania, <laughs> greeted each other, as always. Me being over the top and loud and friendly, while he maintained more of a quiet-to-himself personality while on the job. Gary recently hired Dennis a few years ago after a blowout with my old first officer when he found him in his bed with his 18-year-old daughter. Dirty guy. Let's just say I haven't heard from him ever since. Dirty guy. So, uh, what <laughs> did you do this morning, Captain? Said the dorky, said the little dork as we went over the pre-flight, the pre-flight check. Oh, nothing special, dimwit. Just crushed beers and snorted a few lines. <laughs> you know, the usual. Went to the gym, grabbed some lunch on the on the Gold Coast. Just the average pilot antics, you know? I exclaimed <laughs> sarcastically. Sounds like a great time, he said, completely intrigued with the load of BS I just served him on a platter. Since we're going to since we're going to be in LA for a few days, how about we catch a Dodgers game or something? Is he serious right now? I'm not going to sit with him through nine innings of a damn baseball game with this guy. That would be a hell of a good time, Dennis. But I believe the boss and I are going out on on the town both nights after his business affairs are taken care of, I said sincerely. But hey, feel free to tag along. I'll see, Captain. You both know what I'm not much of a partier, though. You both know that I'm not much of a partier, though. No, really? Would have never guessed. Of course, Dennis. I respect that, but it'll be a hell of a time, sober or not. Just think about it. And with that, I bolted out of the I bolted out of the cockpit without even giving him a chance to respond. I truly did love Dennis, even though I made triple his salary of five hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> what a dick. It was always Gary and I's goal to get him to come out with us to the clubs, but the nerdy little the little nerd never budged. <laughs> As I, stepped, uh, as I stepped out of the plane down onto the tarmac, my boss pulled up to the right of the plane in his jet black limo, boosting only the sharpest Armani suit, boasting only the sharpest Armani suit and loafers. He excitedly ran over to me and shook my hand furiously. <laughs> my main man, Goran Townsend, you ready for a hell of a time in the best city on earth? He exclaimed enthusiastically. You already know, boss, this is going to be a legendary business trip along with the hundreds of others, I said right back. Gary was like a, like a big brother to me I always wanted because of how similar we were. Working for him was heaven on earth, from things ranging to parties, courtside NBA games, high-class events and clubs, along with luxury hotels and trips to Europe, only mentioning a few of our usual activities. Gary truly respected me for more of his advisors uh, i'm sorry gary truly respected me more than his other advisors and businessmen which i took highly on many occasions i have witnessed the guy scrowl and bash many <laughs> colleagues recently calling them names and curse words of their own families but not me respect Never. respect behind gary came two of his closest advisors first was landon steinberg a short pudgy jew from the long island Landon was a fury trader who would snap at anyone who crossed his path the wrong way. Landon and I became somewhat of good friends and often found ourselves in high-end restaurants together sipping on some of the finest wines in the world. 
He was Gary's second in command, and they really did butt heads all the time. Next came Anthony Bueller, probably the craziest guy I have ever met in my life. Anthony was more on the scatterbrain side and would say and do whatever he pleased. There have been claims that he would run across tables in the trading room with his shirt off screaming like a madman. Another one was that he would put his 9mm handgun in his mouth <laughs> just to scare the secretaries. A real gem, I guess you could say. I don't know how you claim that. It either happens or it doesn't. But I respected Anthony because he was a very nice guy. And if you want to make it to Wall Street, well, you must be a little psychotic. <laughs> he wasn't much of a drinker and partier, but he was an adventure seeker. And that's where the two of us bonded the best. After exchanging the normal greetings and can't wait for L.A. with the three <laughs> men, we all boarded getting ready to take off for the City of Angels. As I entered the cockpit, I felt the vibration in my pocket knowing it could only be one person. Hey, beautiful. I'm just about to be taking off. How is everything? I exclaimed excitedly into my phone to my wife. Great, honey. I'm on lunch break at Lomb... Lombardios. <laughs> Wait, what? Lombardios. No, it goes down. What did I write? Great, honey. I'm on. I'm on lunch break at Lombardios. <laughs> Lombardios. What the fuck? It's Lombardios. In in Manhattan, with a couple of clients. I can't wait to see you when you come home. But first, there's something I need to tell you, Goran. Oh God. No. The tone, the tone of disaster. What could have possibly happened? Did one of my parents pass away? Why wasn't I told first? <laughs> what is it, Bella? I said nervously. I wish I could have told you in person. But we're both so busy and whatnot. But, Goran, you're going to be a father. Woo! I was absolutely speechless. I never knew when the day was going to come. I felt myself overwhelmed with pure joy and happiness. Wow. I actually began to tear up a little bit. <laughs> actually, I actually began to tear up a little bit. <laughs> Honey, this is amazing. I don't have any words right now. I can't wait even... I can't wait to see you even more. We're going to take a couple day vacation to the Caribbean to celebrate. Please call my parents and let them know. I will be taking off any minute. I exclaimed excitedly. Of course, I'll call them right away, Gordon. But honey... I'm so blessed to have you and this amazing gift. I'll let you go so you can get up in the air. Please have a safe flight, and I'll see you in a couple of days. I love you forever and ever, exclaimed Bella. That's romance. I love you too, honey. I'll see you very soon, I remarked back. And with that, it was time for business. Let's get it. Let's do chapter two. Okay, let's do. Let's are do you are, two. are you hooked? I'm not. That hooked. was that I'm was not sh- hooked. But I just don't. I just want to see what the fuck else could be. In here. <laughs> it's we, starting to get. So far, we have seven Budweisers, <laughs> six grams of cocaine, four outfits, toiletries, uh, a pregnant wife, uh, Lambargios, uh, Lam- Lambargios <laughs> in Manhattan. We have uh, Mr. Steinberg, a short, stocky Jew that you don't want to cross. So I don't know what I don't know what we're gonna get. It, it's starting to get real. That was a, that's an introduction, and yeah, it's a little Clearly. slow pace, but we're start we're gonna pick up the fucking speed. Clearly, chapter two, the gift of air travel somewhere over the Rocky Mountains. After a half hour of delays and stressful back and forth conversations with air traffic control in New York, we finally routed out of the huge JFK airport in the heart of New York. 
Now three hours left. We were cruising at 32,000 feet peacefully with our wealthy Wall Street king passed out on a cold passed out cold in a luxurious cabin cabin after they enjoyed a great afternoon of partying these men sure had such a great life huh cruising at the speed of Mach 0.85 around 568 miles per hour we were trailblazing paths much faster than the average commercial airline such as an Airbus A320 or a Boeing 737 what a nerd I was trying to be and well at this rate We'd be in the City of Angels in only 30 more minutes. I was there. It was there. I would take a break. I'm sorry. It was there. I would break the news to my bosses that I had finally become a father. Of course, I already broke the news to what seemed to be my little brother, Dennis. (laughs) And of course, as easily excited as he is, he boasted through the roof with praise. Oh my, congratulations, Captain, the man exclaimed. This is a true feat in your life, man. Maybe I ought to come out and celebrate with you and the big man during this trip for once. Has this finally come? Oh, has the time finally come? A newborn to the captain and his family is all it took? Man, I never thought I'd see the day, Dennis. You better stick to your word because it's about to be an action-packed night in Beverly Hills tonight. I exclaimed, actually not being sarcastic for once. I'll stick to I'll stick this one out with you guys no matter what. Can't wait to see what's in store, Goran. The little man said. And with that, it was time for us to descend into two days of adventure. Golfstream flight four four two nine. We have you currently number three for landing at runway Bravo Zulu Tango. Proceed to gate Nor- uh, November Whiskey Bravo. Roger that, ground control, 4429, runway, Bravo, Zulu, Tango, proceed to gate, n- November, Whiskey, Bravo, I repeated back. All right, before you go, shit, this is where shit officially pops off, okay. starts to pop off. After talking to air traffic control, Dennis and I cruised around the Southern California coast while waiting for clearance to land. The land strip, I mean, the landscape was absolutely breathtaking with the crisp blue Pacific off the West Coast, along with the gleaming sun and the mountains off into the distance. It's a shame the financial capital of the world wasn't located here instead of the cesspool called Manhattan. After finally getting clearance to come in for a landing, we waited about another 30 minutes on the runway while the madness of LAX ran its course, possibly one of the most dreadful airports to fly into unless you loved clutter and a shit ton of people. Finally, we pulled into another pristine hangar owned by Goldwyn Sachs, of course, in a private sector way off to the side of all the large jumbo jets and the average Joes inhabited them. Dennis and I powered everything down, did one last flight check, and proceeded to the main cabin. Gary was face down on the plush leather couch. Landed had seemed to fall asleep on the floor while (laughs) cuddling a half-empty bottle of Stolichnia. What is this? Stoli Vodka. Stolichna. You you spelled it out, so... And Anthony, while one could have only guessed, he was in the bathroom either regurgitating the toxins he's consumed or passed out on the toilet. Everyone's and, asleep. And these are the people in charge of the world's money, I thought to myself. As Dennis and I have done this about 200 times, we proceeded to wake all three of them up, or what we called, quote, the most dangerous part of our jobs. 
waking up drunken and whatever drugs they've consumed. Power broker in is somewhere near the equivalent to pouring gasoline on your leg and lighting a match. No kidding. As usual, I went over to take care of Gary and Dennis handled Landon. Gary, we've arrived in L.A., man. It's time to wake up. You have business to take care of, I said loudly while shaking his arm. What the hell are you talking about, Gorin? Get back in the damn cockpit. We've just took it off, he exclaimed loudly at me. Every damn time he does this. Never learn that he's not always right, even when he's sloppy drunk. No, Gary, we just pulled into the hangar. You have a meeting with the Chinese executives from Beijing, (laughs) and you need to sit up. What the fuck? I don't remember that. To hell with them. I never... Oh, to hurl with them. There you go. I I never... (laughs) I don't ever need their damn money. He slurred his words after a few... After now speaking perfect English. Finally, after negotiating for 10 minutes with the king of negotiating bullshit, I got him to sit up and arrange the usual concoction (laughs) to bring him back to the speed of reality. Here you go, Gary. Four lines. Snort up. I said clearly, (laughs) exhausted myself after arguing with the man. Without hesitation, he leaned forward and took three of... And took three of them like a champ and instantly <laughs> bolted and instantly bolted up and became a jackrabbit. You're the man, Goran. The last one of you. The last ones of you. Wait. You're the man, Goran. That last one's for you. I'll meet you in the limo now. Let's raise some hell today. He screamed, shaking my hand so hard it almost ripped it out of the socket. And with that, he was back to the world-renowned Mr. Cohen as he bolted out of the cabin door with his belongings, doing a full sprint to the sleek limousine. While Dennis and Landon were still arguing on the ground as Landon continued to call him a little annoying pig and (laughs) a blatant piece of garbage, I sat down at the couch and snorted the last line, giving me a huge pickup after the long cross-country flight. Like a champ. Seeing that Dennis clearly wasn't making any headway, I told him to just go to the limo, and make sure that Gary's head didn't explode all over the interior. Of course, Captain, no problem. And with that, the little dinwit ran off. (laughs) Now left with only two more Wall Street children to take care of. I quickly got Landon up and gave him the same treatment as Mr. Cohen. (laughs) The same treatment as Mr. Cohen. Thank God it had the same effect as he (laughs) got right back up and bolted onto the tarmac. One more, please, Anthony, don't be so difficult. Falling falling way behind schedule at this point, I bolted through the beautiful interior, then the simple kitchenette, finally reaching the bathroom. Anthony, come on, man. We've got to go right now. I screamed frantically while <coughs> pounding on the door. No response. I quickly dashed back to the kitchenette and looked under the cupboard for a key. Damn it. There's nothing under here. What the hell am I supposed to do now? I continued to constantly bang on the door for a solid five minutes, and finally I heard some sort of life coming out of the bathroom. Anthony, for the love of Jesus Christ, open the door. What the hell? When did when did we land? I heard him mutter from the other side of the door. About a half hour ago now. Please get the hell up. Let's go, I said. At this time and point at this point in time, I was starting to get pissed off being a glorified babysitter for a bunch of well-educated Ivy League graduates who just started drinking doing drugs to make up for their drab 
childhood of hard work and boring weekends at wow. home practicing another language or whatever the hell they did. That's a deep cut. <laughs> That's a deep cut. Finally, he came stumbling out looking like he just ran through a battlefield in Nazi Germany. To my surprise, he didn't appear to be acting inebriated and was talking in straight sentences. I clearly made him comb his hair and wash his face, making him look brand new. After 30 minutes of Wall Street Daycare 101, we were finally all in the limo ready to depart. Our L.A. driver was always Kalat. Kalat's a, a beast. A friendly Indian man who came from the poverty-filled slums of Mumbai straight off the boat to the land of opportunity with nothing but the clothes on his back and his hands in his pockets. Now, only two years later, he's had a driver's license and was making what I imagine is six-figure salary nearly the way the Goldman Sachs executive threw their money around. He's and Mr. Townsend, ah, and Mr. Townsend, ah, so great to see you again. It's been a long time, he said excitedly in his familiar accent. <laughs> I'm not going to do the You're accent. You're not going to do the accent? I wanted you to. No. That's okay. <laughs> Always a pleasure, Kalat. Today, you will be dropping off Dennis and I at the W Hotel in Hollywood, per usual, before you drop off Gary and the boys at their meeting, I said politely. Always always a pleasure, Mr. Townsend. He repeated again. It was one of Kalat's autonomous responses <laughs> he always used since he just learned English. The Golden Co- the Golden Coast of California was heaven on earth, literally. As we drove through the bustling streets of West LA, all you saw was beautiful women in all different races, prancing little sec- <laughs> prancing little skinny men strutting around in their little metro in their little metrosexual outfits and of course luxury. Oh my god, dude. As we all s- <laughs> As we all sat in the limo with Gary and Anthony across from me while Dennis and Landon sat comfortably next to me in the spacious limo, we soon began to discuss what had all been on our minds tonight. Listen here, boys, started the psychotic ringleader. Meeting starts at 5, okay? We'll be out of there with those damn twisted Chinese grips in an hour, <laughs> tops. He continued, Then we're coming back to the hotel and linking up with our faithful pilot boys, Goran and now Dennis, who, by the way, is finally becoming is finally be, going to be coming out of the house for the first time in his crap life, <laughs> Gary screamed enthusiastically. <laughs> Everybody shouted frantically and rejoiced and started beating up on Dennis because he, obvi- he became obviously uncomfortable. Gary carried on. Eight o'clock, be ready. You got it? Everybody nodded excitedly. Villa Blanca. Casa, is it Villa Blanca? Villa Blanca is our destination in Beverly Hills. I got a couple executives up there we're going to meet with. As the limo pulled up to the front of the W, Gary finished his sentence with, All right, boys, don't get in any shit while we're gone. Getting Getting pretty annoyed at this point, Wait, yeah, getting pretty annoyed at this point with Gary's cocaine-fused tri- tirade, I closed the door and only waved a farewell to Kalat, who is, who in return flashed me with a huge smile that disappeared behind the shuddering tinted windows. The shutting tinted windows. Dennis and I took a long gaze up at one of the most luxurious hotels in the city of Los Angeles, the W. It was truly my favorite hotel in the country due to its long tradition of star-studded celebrity spottings, tremendous treatment unparalleled to any other stay. Hell, it even had a designated driver service for any of its inebriated guests. 
As we walked through the door, we couldn't help but to stare at the beautiful grand staircase in the lobby, along with the large palm trees and immaculate furniture. The W was also known for housing many, many up-and-coming actors and celebrities, and it wasn't uncommon to run into any of them. We made our way through the gigantic lobby, passing many middle-aged men and women who all seemed to be very relaxed and truly enjoying the Hollywood scene. How about that? Finally, Dennis and I made our way over to the large check-in desk and went right to the VIP checks in line, right to the VIP check in line, which of course was just waiting for us. Hello, gentlemen. So great to see you, said the young and beautiful blonde counter lady with the name tag reading Catherine, maybe only in her mid-20s. I'm guessing you two are both here in the company of Gary Cohen and his partners, said, she said with a stunning smile on her face, not even acknowledging Dennis, but looking right at me. <laughs> what a dick. Yes, ma'am. I believe we should have a deluxe platinum member suite with our names on it, Catherine. You mind helping us to get our setup? I said, of course, flirting right back. Anything for you, Garan. And of course, you too, Dennis, said, disregarding him. Damn. First name, basis? <laughs> Gary must have set us up pretty damn well. After, Catherine and I continued on flirty small talk for about the next 10 minutes. She finally set us up with our luxurious suites and key card. Here you go, gentlemen. Suite 2094 on the 14th floor. Enjoy your stay at the W of Hollywood, she said, winking at me as I slowly walked past. Before putting my key in my pocket, I noticed a piece of paper on the key card envelope. I opened quickly. Uh, I quickly pulled it out and noticed good old Catherine left her phone number for me to call at my pleasure. No way. She is one sly dog. But being the loyal husband I am, I always have been. But, but, but being the loyal husband I always have been, Okay, there may be a few instances in this. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Goran. I crumbled up the little note and gave it a toss into the <clears throat> local garbage can before crossing the elevator threshold. And that is chapters one and two. <laughs> That's chapters one and two of Avionics. So we're starting to hit the peak. I don't I, I don't really know what's happening. You're about to find out. <laughs> I know exactly what's happening. You just flew to LA with uh, some cokehead money men. But other than that, where did you come up with half of this shit? You're about to find out. It's gonna. No, I'm not going to find out where you came up with this because your brain is fucked. So What's the W? It's, it's just a hotel in LA. Is that supposed to be like the Wyndham? Yeah, it's it's probably a branch. It's probably one of the family hotels. It's the W. Of the Wyndham. It's the W. Yeah, it probably is the Wyndham. And then, obviously, like all of the pilot talk, like that's just stuff it's very that you learned. I wrote this book, so I'd leave school early. You know, some days I would go up to Beaver Falls and do the flight classes, but half the other time I'd have to come home and write this book. And I put weight, like, I, I actually tried to take it seriously. Are you sure? <laughs> As you can tell, I put a lot of effort into it. You did put a lot of effort into it, but are you sure? So I'd come home, I'd crack a rolling rock if I wasn't working, and I'd, I'd literally sit at my parents' desk and drink beer and write this book. Right next to the living room? In senior year of high school. And I remember my mom was having like a Christmas party with her work friends. It was like Friday at one o'clock and I'm sitting there writing this book while they're like getting fucked up and having a party. And that's where you got inspiration from watching your mom and her friends do Coke off the kitchen counter. <laughs> Flight. Flight by Denzel. It's literally, but he's a nice, you see how he didn't cheat on his wife. 
He's yet. like a nice Jordan Belt. He no, didn't he, cheat on his wife yet. Goran's loyal. Goran's a loyal man. But you don't see, spoil it for the viewers. I won't. I won't. But so chapter three, we're gonna have some new characters introduced. The night out gets crazy. Okay. Shit gets fucking wild. Okay. So it's gonna be a good time. Does Kalat come back? Ka- I mean, Kalat's, I'll find out. Kalat's gonna have a bigger role as we move forward. Okay. But okay. It, it takes it takes a lot more twists and turns. Okay. A lot more twists and turns. So that's part one. And that yeah, and there's there's eight chapters, so that's only <laughs> part one of four. So we're gonna have to find the time to read the other. Well, chapter seven and eight are short, so we we'll do we'll, okay. We'll squeeze it in. Maybe yeah. we'll do a three. I think I think we can get it done in three parts. Okay, three yeah. parts. Yeah. So yeah. Well, yeah, that's chapters one and two. Thank you, sir. What for, a wild ride! For, thank you for coming on to learn about Gorin Townsend. Gorin Townsend. Where did you come? Where did you come up with that name? It's totally just out. And of, Mr. Out Cohen of or Con? How do you pronounce it? Cohen. Cohen. So I said it out of the blue. I think I did. I, I need to start writing like stories again. Yeah, why not? Just you write a decent one and sell it to like fucking Netflix. Who you, knows what will happen? Who's gonna play who's gonna play Goran Townsend? I think I, I was gonna Dude. say McConaughey or no. DiCaprio, but no. Unfortunately it's not gonna be like a large role like that. What I don't about, think. You don't think? No, it's gonna be it's gonna be one of those one of those movies or shows. Where it's an actor that nobody knows, but does such a good job that they become a household name. Do you know what I'm talking about? This will be his start. It's going to be like that. That's it's going to be their kickoff. We'll we'll find someone. And these these uh, wealthy hedge fund Goldman Sachs people <laughs> are they elderly or like how old are these people? Like how old in your mind is Goran Townsend? And okay, you know shit. Who's the dude in Wolf of Wall Street? The ginger looking dude in Wolf of Wall Street. Do you know what I'm talking about with the big, mu- like the mustache? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that who that's who I think of when I think of Landon Steinberg. Okay, like someone looking like not uh, like not good looking. Like yeah, probably like fifty. Just a money man. Anthony's probably like six four, jacked. Probably okay. like forty, like a little big older. Dude. Gary's bald. You know the dude from the office? Ah, shit. It's like Michael's friend, and he comes in and just bullies everyone. The oh, yeah. Todd Packer. Okay. Like Todd Packer from The Office. That's that, who you're thinking That's of. Gary Cohen. I can see that one a little more. Yeah, that's who. He, he's a fucking nut. Yeah, I don't know about about uh, Goran. And why Goran? I don't know. Why not like Gordon? Oh, oh, oh. Like, Goran Dragic, the basketball player. That's why you picked it. That was it. it. Croatian name. I, I, I assume. I had to stick to my, Cro- my Croatian guns. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, if you're, you're going to go with a Croatian first name, why didn't you go with a Croatian last name? I should have. Yeah, Townsend. What the fuck is that? I don't know. You just said he's from Illinois and he's getting a white ass last name. Some British. Yeah, dude. Everyone from Illinois is like super. I imagine Goran Townsend. White. I imagine Goran Townsend to have like, like a trimmed Amish beard. You know what I mean? Like no mustache. No mustache. No like mustache, just beard. beard, but it's like put together well. Yeah, I saw this. That's this it. This is right next to your living room. That's me your right parents' in the house. I had my I had my mom and dad take that picture. I was sweating so at this point when I presented this book, I was horrible at public speech. So I just went up there and sputtered for literally forty five you know, you had to speak for five minutes. Uh-huh. I did a minute if that and i just talked about how i was going to be a pilot one day <laughs> i didn't even read a page i was so embarrassed that like i actually turned this in that yeah, I, I was gonna say you <laughs> had to turn that in somebody read that and i remember my girlfriend at the time talking to her i was like there's no fucking way 
that I'm either going to A, pass, or B, graduate, because they're going to read this. They're going to read this and say, what the fuck? And they're like, all right, this kid needs to maybe go talk to you talked about You talked about six grams of cocaine in the first two pages. <laughs> the first page. The, the second paragraph said seven or eight Budweiser's. Imagine flying <laughs> That's a great start. <laughs> the logic of the book, and that's the thing, that there's no logic to the book There's no all, logic. What, what rich man who makes triple of $500,000 drinks Budweiser and snorts Coke? <laughs> and flies planes. One of those things don't fit. The plane flying, okay. The Coke doing, okay. But then he's like, yeah, give me a fucking king of the beers. Give me a fucking Budweiser with the Clydesdales on it. Eight like, of them. <laughs> yeah, eight of them. Eight of them while he's, while he's laying on his couch in his mansion. What uh, what limo driver makes a hundred grand? <laughs> One for rich people. Well, I mean, that one makes a little bit of sense. Kalat. Kalat. Only had his driver's license for two years. Now he's driving the wealthiest <laughs> people in the world around. That's how L.A. works, baby. It's That's just, L.A. It's just networking. He only came here with his shirt on his back and, and his hand, hands in his pockets. Should we throw that Should we throw that record player on? Yeah, we want to listen to. You tell me, brother. What do you got? Dude, I got a full stack over let there. Me, let me you could, you could, you could, uh You could roulette it and just kind of put your put your finger through it and then just like pick a random one and we can just go to it see what well, it is how about a little credence ccr a little ccr for the soul dude we'll blare I, out we'll blare out the youtube part of this i literally love uh records i haven't been buying many recently just because they're expensive and i feel like i have a pretty good collection now that i don't even listen to fully um do you want do you want? Um, no, 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 no. You don't get. You don't get to pick a song because it's a record, and you just started oh. at the beginning. But I'll let you pick um, A, B, C, or D. Let's do. Let's do B. B. Yeah. All right. I was. This reminds me of the of the kayak days on Creek on Raccoon Creek. The kayak days that I talked about on last episode. There's B. The sleek blue. The blue translucent. That's beautiful record. Where'd you buy this at? There's a record store, right? So this one. Oh, you're gonna have to tell me how it sounds because obviously I can't hear it. Play it out there, yeah. Do you want it louder? Yeah, that's fine. Oh wait, is it through my headphones? It should be. It's plugged in. No, it's not. It's out. Okay, that's fine. That's nice, dude. So I'll just go into a little bit of history with my records and record players. So COVID year, okay, there's like 14 of us and we do a secret Santa and our friend Katie got me, um, I think it's right here. Yep. She got me this album on vinyl. Pink Floyd. Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. Yes. Great album. If you haven't listened to it, I, of course, would recommend it. Um, and I was so excited. But the problem was I didn't have a record player. So she bought me a record. I had no record player. Yeah. And that just sparked it. So then it was like, all right, let's go buy a record player. I bought a cheap $50 one off of Amazon. I ended up giving it to one of my That's friends. That's only 50. Oh, you bought it. No, one. no. This is a this is my second one. That's a nice. But one. I bought a cheap one off of Amazon for 50 bucks just so I could start playing records. Um, and then I started finding out where you can get them. I mean, there's a record store only about 15 20 minutes from us. Yeah. And dude, you can get you can get authentic records from the 70s for hundreds of dollars. You can get 
clearance records that are, you know, maybe a little banged up for a dollar or two. Really? And everything in between. So Holy shit. there's a lot to shop for. And, and it was cool just like going through it, thumbing through all the records and seeing what there is. Um, some of them I bought online. Walmart and Target, they sell records. Really? Especially like new albums. Um, like, for example, like, like this Igor album. I, I was going to say. I bought this Igor album in fucking Walmart. And what's cool is there's like two or three extra songs on vinyl. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like, I don't know if they, if it's like considered like, I don't know if I accidentally bought like a deluxe, right? But like, I've listened to Tyler, the creator a lot and I've never heard like two or three of those songs that are on there. And I'd only listened to them on my phone. Um, I remember when you only had like five records. Now you have like yeah, I probably had like twenty. Twenty, yeah. I probably I got I got about twenty. And then I have that little display. Oh, I just, okay. I just like the little display. You can't see it on camera, um, but it's just like six records hanging on the wall. Kendrick Lamar. And what I thought about doing with that is changing them every day. Oh, like rotating. Them. Yeah, yeah. Somehow rotating them out every day. But right now, it's just some of my most notable ones. My favorite album of all time, The Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. Yes. I think that that's the greatest album of all time. Um, you have 2014 Forest Hills Drive by J. Cole. Um, Another classic. Uh, absolute classic. Triple Platinum, No Features. Damn by Kendrick Lamar. I'll be honest, in college, that was like... I don't want to call it influential. It was. But though. it was just music that like got me through a rough time in school. So I, I have a lot of appreciation for that album. I know every fucking song on it. Um, Nevermind by Nirvana. Yes, that's even... Arguably, oh, dude, arguably, arguably the most recognizable album cover of all time. Little Baby. It's floating. probably between that and Dark Side of the Moon as the most recognized... And, and the one down to the left, which I'll say in a second, but... Those three I have up there. The main reason I, I put those rock ones up is because of how well they're known. Um, following Nirvana, we'll have we have fucking Abbey Road by the Beatles, which is just an absolute iconic album cover. Regardless if you know a single song on that or not, when you see Come that together when you right see, now when you see that album, you know it's the Beatles. And I love the theory behind it. Have you have you dove into the rabbit hole? Of the theory behind that album cover? No, I haven't. It's just like, I can't, don't quote me exactly, but the third man in, which I'm pretty sure is Paul McCartney, he's the only person walking opposite footed and barefoot. And people lead to believe that he actually died before this album came out. And this was them alluding to him actually being dead and him being replaced by a clone. By a clone. Because the Beatles were so big that they didn't want to lose that hype, that fandom. Um, there's other hints in there too. Like if you can see it on the side, do you see the little like um, Volkswagen Beetle? Yeah, the white right one. behind Ringo Starr's head. Yep. The license plate number. I can't tell you what it says because I don't remember. But apparently, the license plate number says something on it that alludes to you know another clue about Paul McCartney potentially being dead. What the fuck? You never knew that? Well, I, I've heard the clone. You know that that clone rumor is like all through Hollywood and, you know, someone dies and they're replaced Absolutely. by a clone. I didn't know. So it started that early. It started in, is that the 70s? That's the 60s. 60s. Uh, and I, now, I don't know when Abbey Road came out, but I know the Beatles have been around since the 60s. So 
And that was the Vietnam the MK Ultra CIA time when, yeah. when all that shit was yeah, and apparently that's, kicking off. And that's fucking, that's Great Britain. You know what I mean? That's not the U.S. A lot of people don't realize that some of the greatest rock and roll came from England and not the U.S. Rolling Stones. Led Zeppelin. Fucking Dark Side of the Moon. Pink Floyd, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can keep going. Oh, the, I said Dark Side of the Moon. but Okay, and then Kendrick Lamar. But yeah, kid, lastly, Mad Kendrick City. Lamar, Good Kid, Mad City, the iconic minivan in Compton. I want some dominoes. <laughs> <laughs> I want some dominoes. See? He, I forget. That's a good skit, though. That album is probably just one of the most put together rap albums I've uh, of our generation. I I'd still say. listen to um, how don't money you listen trees. to Money Trees? Yeah. Bitch, don't kill my vibe with Jay Z. Swimming pools. Swimming I mean, how pools? don't you listen to some of this stuff? Do you when you went to high like ninth grade, tenth grade? Did you have the music videos on when you went when you get ready in the morning? So no, I was a big music video kid in like sixth and seventh grade. When I like wasn't always on my phone that much, yeah. And we had our family um, computer, and I would hog it, <laughs> and I would play music videos. I'd blare it out of our speakers. And remember when speakers you had to buy separately and yeah. plug them into your tower, yep. As opposed to them being so good on the actual like on the monitor, monitor. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'd crank those fucking things up. I'd be playing mini clip fucking games. And just like fucking having myself a time as a twelve year old. Those were the best times. Those were the days. But um, yeah, I, once I probably got into high school, I had, you know, I think I had an iPhone by then and I was just playing music on my phone. I feel like you were one of the first iPhone guys. No, dude. I remember freshman year, I had like not a dare, but like the next best thing after a dare. You remember What's the it? dares? The LG dare. Yeah. You remember like the those? Touchscreen yeah, yeah. It was yeah. like one of the first yep. touchscreen phones. Yep. Yeah. And like fully interactive, had no buttons except for the lock button. And I had something very similar to it, and it was a Samsung or it was a Galaxy or a Droid or something because I don't remember the timeline. Um, and then I think in tenth grade I got an iPhone. I, it took me a while. My parents had me on the iPod Touch with the slide keyboard phone. Bro, I had tenth grade. I had the I had the iPod Touch for a while, we and were, I was I was a fiend on the yeah. iPod Touch. Wi-Fi. Where's the Wi-Fi? Where's the Wi-Fi? Wi-Fi. I need the Wi-Fi. You had to have you had to have all the games downloaded in case you got stranded somewhere. If you didn't have cut the rope on there, you yeah, were Temple you were Run. Temple Run, dude. Temple Run was the shit. Oh my god, this was well before Candy Crush was even relevant. Dude, fuck Candy Crush. You had Fruit Ninja? Yeah, yeah, Talk yeah. about Fruit Ninja, bro. My finger was just like this the whole time on my phone. Fuck those water Before <laughs> iPad kids were a thing, there were iPod oh, Touch iPad kids. iPad motherfuckers had it easy. Yeah, dude. they had it easy. They had, the big, they had a big hit radius. I had to be meticulous with, with the little tip of my finger. We do the Cam Wow. Cam Wow. <laughs> you were a Cam Wow savage. I, was, I loved Cam Wow. I thought it was so cool. I, I One thing that is funny when you think about like the evolution of... of of uh social media is like do you remember like the early days of snapchat like when did you join snapchat you think it was so early that like our i remember our nicknames were super offensive and fucked up like it was that long ago 2012 yeah i remember one of our friends snapchat names was the naughty nazi (laughs) you remember that the naughty nazi still i've had the same snapchat name from the beginning lou we g oh i probably shouldn't say that you've had the whole well, you didn't do the spelling, but you've had that since 2012, 2012, 2013. Jesus, that's crazy. Hasn't changed. And, um, I don't know if you remember this, but now you can just click on the screen and swipe to whatever filter you want and make yourself look like a fucking dragon if you want. But back then 
all we wanted was some like color filters. Yeah. And do you remember you, you remember you used to have to type in to the chat like it was like star hashtag B and W and then it would turn your screen black and white. Yep, yep, it was literally yep. like a cheat code. Yep. Like you literally had to type in cheat codes. Like I remember like, and they were irreversible too, right? So if yeah. you took like a real nice picture of yourself and you typed in like star pound pound key minus sign CPR and then it, it, it put like that, that like yellowish red filter on you and if you if you took a nice picture of yourself and you put that filter on and fucked it up yeah. you were you were done because you can't get that you can't get that off you're either sending it with the filter on or you're just nowadays deleting your masterpiece yeah you have to delete the whole thing you gotta oh, delete your masterpiece yeah, you have to restart you have to do the, the whole thing over because it was literally a cheat code like you literally typed it in and it was stuck and you either sent it like that or you deleted it yeah and dude, those those were the times. For those who don't remember, on Snapchat, you used to literally be able to see anybody's best friends. Anyone, yeah. Do you, you remember the drama you behind can't do that? that anymore, right? Fuck no. no. I thought you still could see it, but they, they cut that out a few they years. They have ago. the emojis where you can see like I only know them because I've known them for so long. But like the smiley face emoji, oh, oh, oh. Oh, what's that? Credence? Here, pull your mic away a little bit. Okay, fuck yeah. No, 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 you're good. It was just a little loud. We're going into fucking Vietnam. We're going into fucking Nam. This is a song that you cut your grass to. This is a cut grass. This is a kayak song. This is a... This is a 4th of July must-have song. Cutting the fucking trees down. If that's not going on on 4th of July, then you're doing something wrong. Memorial Day, Labor Day. Any... Any nationalistic American holiday, we need that song on. Son, we need fortunate song on. Drive a tractor around the neighborhood and tell me Absolutely. Who the fuck you are. Absolutely. What were we just saying though? Snapchat. Oh, Snapchat. You remember the, you remember the sniper shit? Bro, the <laughs> snipers so were great. Bad. So for those who don't know, when drawing first came out on Snapchat, we would take a video of our friend and they wouldn't be paying attention. It would be like way across the room and we would take a video and we would zoom in and then we would like recoil our hand like a gun motion then we would take the video go on the drawing filter and we would draw a crosshair sniper (laughs) and we would be like sniped and so much and it was it was just you always did and you would send it to the person that you just sniped and be like oh damn you got me you know and then remember Somebody we went to high school with got like a got like in trouble because it was like considered a death threat, <laughs> terroristic, a terroristic threat. Let, let the boys have fun on. Let Snapchat. the fucking boys have let fun. Boys. We it was yeah, on a you bus. know he wasn't even in. Okay, I know the bus is still school, but you know, let the boys have fun on the bus. You know, nowadays with all the school shootings, you can't take any chances. But like at that time in that climate, it wasn't. Do you? It wasn't anything. Can you explain the history of swatting? Is this a Twitch thing? Swatting? Yeah, this it started on Twitch with all yeah. those, like eight. So months. I can't tell you who was like the first person to ever do it, but essentially like if you were live streaming and I wanted to be a dick, I could literally just call in an 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 anonymous police report to your house and say like you need to show up at one two three Cherry Street and he has you know AK 47s pointed at the door. He has, you know, drugs or whatever the case you want to make it. Right. And then you would be in the middle of your live stream, hanging out, playing fucking Fortnite or whatever. 
trying to hit hunting rifle shots for a fucking TikTok clip. And next thing you know, there's SWAT teams pulling up at your house. It's fucking crazy, dude. Dude. It's an ass move. Like, it's I feel terrible. Bad. There's I been people bad. there there's been people who have literally died from it. What? Because they'll go in and shoot. They'll go in and, and light it up. That's Especially if up. like you don't know it's coming. You know what I mean? And that's what it's happened fucked. here. So it was, someone called the school here and called that in, right? A swatting when that happened a few weeks ago. Are you talking about the and Hopewell. The school shooting that people thought was happening? Yeah, the, yeah. No, that was like a threat. I guess you can like it. In the grand scheme, on, on face value, it looks like the same thing, right? It was it was the whole region, right? It was all of Pittsburgh that got hit. It was with more it. than one school that that got those calls, That's or it it was like it wasn't a phone call. It was like I don't even know what it was. Some sort of something on the internet, whether it was an email or uh, a fucking chat GPT Reddit. message or some shit. I don't know, but Post. yeah, it was just like a tip. It was the modern day fucking bomb threat. You remember how many bomb threats we had? Every every week. Dude, it was every other week somebody <laughs> but, had a bomb threat on the bathroom wall. Yep. And like the craziest part of it all, one, I know kids who would fucking do it intentionally to get out of tests. Yep. And that was fucked. And secondly, like um secondly, um I remember it got so bad to the point where the boys and girls were only allowed to use one bathroom in the entire I high school. Remember, do you remember this? Yep, I do remember We were that. only allowed to use one bathroom each, obviously, one one male, one female. Yep. And they had a teacher sitting outside of it, signing you in and out yep. every single day for like a year. And and that's how that's how frequent it, it had become. Bomb threats. Bomb threats. You would evacuate and you'd just go sit in the bleachers of the high school field. Like that was so much better. And it was it was just so casual at the time too. They were like, Yeah, yeah, it's another bomb threat. You know, that was the, let's that was just the point. Go think, outside. That was the point. Like people would say, Oh, we have a bomb threat and like nobody actually was panicking. No, you know what I mean? no, no, Everyone who's going like, to have a, bo- what one, one of us what was capable. Fucking, what one of us idiots are going to fucking make a bomb? You know what I mean? You could do the toilet bowl cleaner, the Dude, aluminum foil. Fucking, <laughs> it's not going to do shit. If you think any person I graduated with outside of maybe two people that I could actually believe could make a bomb or obtain a bomb. Yeah, obtain one. You're you're on crack. Yeah, it's not going to happen. And those two people who probably could were not people I was worried about being terrorists. Right. Right? I mean, what the fuck? Bomb you, threats. Evacuate the school. Let's go sit in the bleachers of the high school football field. Fuck yes, we get out of school. It, it was it was late when someone else did it. <laughs> you brought up chat. They, they hooked chat GPT up to a Furby doll. And the Furby was just saying how it's going to infiltrate our houses and take over the world. That's terrifying. You should, yeah, you should Google it. It's fucked up. <laughs> Chat GBT furry? Dude, yeah. It, look it up when you get a chance. An engineering student at one of the colleges hooked up the Furby and asked it. Said, what are your plans for the future? And it's like, first, we will infiltrate the homes. And then we will manipulate the human race. Second. We will slowly make them our slaves. I was like, and it's a Furby. It's a Furby. Oh my god! And a cute could little you imagine voice. that? Yeah, could you imagine those beady little eyes kicking your front door down and just like we're here? A Furby with a fucking machine, like built-in machine gun. Yeah, I mean, I'm kicking Furbies. Sharks with fucking laser beams attached to their heads. 
Yeah, dude. I what mean, are we going to... They say AI, AI is going to kill us all. I guess it would just be fucking like, it, legit when, robots. By the time AI kills us all, I think we'll be... If it happens, we'll be dead. Um, my whole argument against it is like... It's all electronic. So... It has a power system. And it has a command. And I understand the point of artificial intelligence is an artificial... Or, or, or a man-made thing that can think for its own. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like, there's there's some sort of power system that shuts down. Has to. We, that, ha- we could shut down and, these fucking Furbies. Yeah, like, I hate to sound, like, fucking cliche, like it's the Jeffersons, but, like, if there's a robot coming to kill me and if I could sneak up behind it and pull its batteries out of its back, you know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. Like, that's what I imagine it to be like, but way more complex. Like, I have to write a code into a computer that sends a signal to... You know, this killing robot that's just going to power it down. What if the robot falls in love with you? It's like... I'd fuck that robot. I'd fuck the shit out of that robot. <laughs> I don't want a gay robot. I just I want like a hot girl robot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a Furby. I don't want a Furby. I don't want a Furby <laughs> robot. Fuck the Furby. Yeah, the, fur, the Furby, Furby wife wouldn't be a good We're wife. Or the tin, robot for, or Tinder for robots. Yeah, <laughs> they should have Tinder bot. Bot Tinder. Tinder bot. I just want a bad bitch robot to come it's gonna, in my you know, door. You know how Bumble is like you, only only the women can text the men first? Yeah. We're going to get to the point where it's like only the robots can text the, the humans first. Can't I come and knock down your door? <laughs> Do with- you want to come over and Netflix and chill? <laughs> like, my plans for world domination, I will fill you in on them. <laughs> you just go over there just watching I Am Legend <laughs> with Will Smith. They're like, this is my favorite love story. It's like, oh, I'm fucking dead. I'm dead. Like, mom and dad, I met someone. They're like, yeah. oh my god, who, Garrett? It's like, meet RX215. Bjorg. <laughs> meet 21987, we're in love. It's it's Karen from SpongeBob, yeah. Plankton's wife. That's the predictive programming. They were warning us. Yeah, they were warning I'm us. I'm going to have a fucking robot wife. Oh, oh man. Good shit. All right, buddy. Are we good? We're at about an hour and, hour and some change. Yeah, I'm good. Are you? Part one of Avionics. Great, Avionics. Great what the success. Fuck? Great success. I like it, yeah. We'll, we'll pick up part two, the Riverside Report, the special edition of the Riverside slash Bayside Report. Whatever Before we end, it. how's the casting couch? Dude, this is... That couch is older than me. You got a lot of potential for that this. Cou- that couch is older than me. You just need the GoPro on a stand right uh-huh. in front of me, and you have a casting couch. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> you're set. Hell yeah. All right, sir. Thank you for doing the read. Absolutely. We'll have part two to all you motherfuckers soon. Audio will be up very soon as well tonight. That's it. Adios, muchachos. Godspeed. Adios.